chapter 6 is, is, is the punchline. It was the conclusion that for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And I said, that's what we're aiming for at the end of this series. I hope you understand what that means. And, and um, since I have to cover from 5.13 all the way through the end of chapter 6, and I want to get to that point, we're going to start there and work backwards. So <laughs> that way I, I won't miss the ending. I may miss the middle. So, all right. So we're going to start at uh, the, the, the ending section. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter uh, uh, 6. And we're going to talk about, we're going to start with the closing. Um, <clears throat> Galatians 6. i got to turn to it here. Oh. All right. Jeez. I'm all nervous. I can't find it. <laughs> there we go. Galatians, uh, I'm going to read it from the New King James, uh, verse 11. It says, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me. Amen. <laughs> my, the theme verse of my life. <laughs> From, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace in the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Well, obviously, in a series like this, we can't uh, delve into everything. That's what commentaries are written for. You can read through those. But we're going to focus in on, on the main point. And that is in verse uh, 15. For Christ, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. I just thought this morning to read it also from the Amplified Version. Um, so here it is. <clears throat> it says, For neither is circumcision now of any importance, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, the result of a new birth and a new nature in Christ Jesus the Messiah. I'm going to read it again just so you hear it. For neither is circumcision now of any importance, or, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, the result of a new birth and a new nature in Christ Jesus the Messiah. So what's important now is not whether you've been circumcised or not circumcised. And we've discussed what that Means. If you didn't get it, listen to the previous messages. What was meant when he brings up the topic of circumcision. But what, what really is important is new creation. This is the main point. It like, leads all up to this phrase, new creation. And if you get anything out of this series, this idea of new creation is really the heart of the message. It's the heart of the gospel that we are new creations and actually that God is creating anew. Behold, all things are new. So this is the main 
point. And, and compare the difference between circumcision, some, some differences, and, and new creation. Circumcision really was, was an ethnic thing. It, it defined the person's ethnicity because they were part of that. that that's how uh, someone became Jewish and entered into that, 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 that people group. <clears throat> and, so, and it was also gender-specific. Okay? Biblical circumcision was only done to males, and so there's gender issues. And, and Paul earlier says, you know, in the kingdom of God, those differences are no longer important. Uh, those differences are no longer where there's a, in the new creation. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. You know, there's the new creation uh, renews all those divisions are broken down in Christ. Uh, and uh, circumcision defined the person's nationality. And, and Paul's saying, you know, the gospel is for all nations. It was an outward act. And it was, a, it was done in, the, you know, it was a natural act. And it was, it was uh, a part of the law and it was done by flesh. And, and, and new creation <clears throat> is something that's universal. It's meant for all people uh, from all nations, the whole, you know, every tribe, every nation, the whole world, regardless of the language, regardless of nationality. It's an inward work. All right? It begins in our heart and it's supernatural. It's not something that can be accomplished by the hands of men. This is salvation is supernatural. And it's a new creation that only God can do. And it's spiritual in nature. It's not something that's done to the flesh. It's something that's in spirit. That's, that's the, the goal. We're going to see how the rest of this section kind of flows into what it means to be new creation. Uh, new creations in Christ. So Galatians chapter 6, uh, the next section uh, from 6 through 10. It says this, says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh. Will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is really the end of the consequences uh, section in the letter. Um, and he's kind of summing up. And one of the thing I want to uh, focus on in this section is this. He introduces the idea of the principle of sowing and reaping. All right. Sowing and reaping. Uh, and this idea, the principle, the truth of sowing and reaping does not contradict with what was said earlier and, and with the, the message of salvation by faith. It builds upon it. All right? It builds upon it. Uh, earlier, Paul said in Galatians 2.16, uh, Scripture says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, for by works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So it's clearly he's saying in this letter that you're not made right by works. Right? But also he's saying you reap what you sow. Right? These are not contradictory truths. Right? One builds upon the other. And justification, we're made right. What does that mean? It means you were wrong and now you're right. 
<laughs> Boom. <laughs> All right. Faith <clears throat> being justified does not mean that our behavior no longer matters. And 3.11 says, No one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. People who are justified live in a faith relationship. Their, their life of righteousness, their, and, and, and it's been, there's been a disservice in separating this. Like there, Well, there's imputed and imparted and all these different things. You're either right or you're wrong. And God makes you right. And then that transformation enables you to live right. Okay? Some people abuse and misunderstand. I think it's really more of a misunderstanding. And that we don't understand the totality of what Christ accomplished on the cross. You were justified. Not just in principle, but in truth. Live it out. Alright? How? By faith. It also means that, you know, this justification by faith is that no law, even God's perfect law, no law is able to fix the brokenness of humankind. Alright? It just doesn't work that way. And that's what the law was given to reveal that we can learn that that doesn't work. Even God's law doesn't work to fix it. Had the, the, what had to happen. It required something more, something grander, more grandiose, something bigger, something more drastic. It required a new birth. All right? A recreation. Some of you may have had the privilege <laughs> of attending a birth. In the natural, I was there for all four of ours. Some people describe it as wonderful. It was more like horrible. <laughs> and some people, like sometimes they go in there so easy, you know, like we didn't have any easy ones. You know, wow. And there's blood, you know, in. Yucky stuff. <laughs> I never forget the midwife once. I forget which kid it was for. Uh, but, you know, the, the umbilical cord. She, like, presented it to me. You want to cut it? I'm like, I don't have anything to do with that. Because <laughs> apparently I, I, it was a big deal. I'm like, just deal with it. I want to. <laughs> no. I don't want to cut it. She was surprised. It stinks. Uh, you know, and one of our kids almost died. And Lewis uh, was very, it was a tenant. He had a lot of, he was a miracle baby three different times. Uh, but in the delivery, it was a touch and go situation there. And so it's, it's drastic, man. There's nothing subtle about it. It's drastic. And so we're called, and Jesus said, you need to be born again. <coughs> How? Okay, the, the work of justification was finished on the cross, but we have to carry that cross daily and walk out as new creations. Okay, uh, how do you do this? <clears throat> um, how do you walk as new creations? How do you actually live as new creations? I'll tell you. 
Okay? It's the same way that you got saved if you got saved. It's at one moment you don't believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and something happens to where you say, No, I believe that he I believe he told the truth, and when he died on the cross, he was paying for my sins. And somehow I, that works. And it's right before God, and because of that, I'm going to heaven, I'm set free. Okay? It's the same dynamic with every single sinful behavior in your life. Every single temptation, every discouragement, every thing that the enemy throws at you, everything that the flesh throws at you and the world throws at you, how do you overcome it? By faith. The same exact faith. By believing, I am a new creation and I'm going to walk as a new creation. I'm going to walk as a new creation. Alright? Um, <clears throat> uh, it's, it's easy. It's, it's simple. But it's, it, it takes faith. When, as a believer, as a new creation, if you say, I can't, when it comes to something that God is calling you to do, if, if you are struggling with a temptation and sinning repeatedly about something, if you commit sin of any type and you say, I just can't get free from that, what you're saying is you don't believe that the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to set you free from that bondage. All right? I just want to let you know, you're wrong. The blood of Christ has the power to set you free. In fact, it already has. So, stop saying I can't. And at least be honest and say I won't. Well, then, then you can be honest. Then God can do something with it. Then you can experience conviction and say, okay. God say, well, we'll deal with that. <laughs> All right. It's faith. Sowing and reaping is not about being justified. Justified, being made right, is finished in Christ. But as new creations, um, if we return to carnal, destructive behaviors and or beliefs, ideas, there will be consequences in your life. And they may be perilous. Okay? They can be serious. Serious consequences. It says in verse 8, it says, He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Corruption comes. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh. Oh! So if you sow to the flesh, does the Scripture say that God's going to punish you? No. God's doing everything to set you free! He's not concerned about punishing. Alright? It's of the flesh you reap. When you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh. And it's the same thing in the Spirit. When you sow to the Spirit, it's not something that you've accomplished. But of the Spirit, you reap everlasting, that abundant life. Not only eternal, but abundant. Overflowing. Victory in every aspect of your life. So corruption comes from the flesh. It's an outcome of the action. It's a consequence. And God has done everything to set you free from that. Right? And you can walk free. How? By believing it. Verse 1-5 through five of chapter 6. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Uh, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Again, um, <clears throat> there is uh, an understanding here that Paul is emphasizing, and this follows. We're working backwards. This is uh, leading up, you know, back to what he just des- uh, described in the section we'll get to in a minute, is all these different works of, of the flesh and, and sinful behaviors, destructive behaviors um, that people uh, struggle with. <clears throat> and he says if you, if you confront somebody or if you deal with somebody that's dealing with a sin, you have to do it. Uh, with gentleness, understanding that you yourself, we ourselves are susceptible. All right? Restoration, it's always to the goal. Dealing with someone that has an issue or interacting with someone that's struggling with some uh, sin in their life or destructive life pattern in their life is always unto restoration. You know? It's believing that they're new creation. And coming to them and calling forth that, that true identity. And this is talking about people who have committed their life to Jesus Christ. They're born again and listen, that's not who you are. And calling them into their, their true identity. It's not about punishment. The punishment was accomplished on the cross. The punishment was accomplished on the cross. It's about restoration. And restoring people uh, in a spirit of gentleness. Restoration, though, is not equivalent to tolerance in, in the way it's taught in our day. Tolerance is saying, hey, if you want to live that way, it's fine. You know, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. If you want to practice that behavior, it's okay. No, that's not love. Because that behavior will corrupt. And you'll see the corruption that, that will come. And out of love... You're willing to risk your relationship to say in gentleness with the goal of restoring freedom, this behavior pattern is, is really destructive in your life. And, and I'm willing to risk our friendship or our relationship to say, you know, maybe I'm seeing it wrong, but this is what I see and, and that's really bad. And, you know, God set you free. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. And there's a warning here also for for all of us, you know, you know people, especially if they're believers, but this dynamic works even with unbelievers. And that you start calling people's true identities out. And rather saying, oh, that's an angry person. Or that's a self-centered person. Or so-and-so, they're always so uh, <coughs> carnal. They're always, you know, so obsessed with this or that. Instead of saying that's who they are, especially if they're a believer, that's not who they are. That person struggles with anger. But I confess that that's not who they are. They are new creations. And Father, I pray that You'd break that off of them. And if you deal with somebody and you encounter the anger and you're walking away, rather than, they're always just so angry. I just can't stand them because they're so, they're so bitter. Guess what? You've just committed a greater sin than they did. Because you've, you've called the new creation that Christ accomplished on the cross. You've spoken. You've... You said that you've agreed with the lie of the enemy is what you've done. And so don't agree with the enemy. He's a liar. Yes, it doesn't diminish in any way the badness. You know, it actually calls it to what it really is. That's not who you really are. And in your prayer and in your own heart, 
Don't agree with the enemy. Agree with the Lord. They're new creations. Restoration is not condemnation. Restoration is gentle, careful, bearing with others' issues, knowing that we're equally vulnerable. In verse 2, I don't know if you caught it, <clears throat> verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. And then verse 5 says, for each one shall bear his own load. Yeah. And they actually use a different Greek word, but they both mean the same thing. <laughs> bear one another's burdens because each of you will end up bearing your own. You know, is this a contradiction? I don't think so. You know, I think it's really a simple truth that we need to help one another. But in the end... We all are responsible for our own stuff. All the more reason to help one another because you're going to be responsible for your own stuff. Receive the help. Help others. Okay, 5.19-26. through 26. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, I could keep going. Of which I tell you beforehand, before what? Just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. New Testament, folks. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Alright, so there's a comparison between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And the work is, is the product. It's something that you do or you accomplish um, by, with your hands, with your mind, with devices, in any aspect. It's something that is done. And, and Paul, and it's, it's interesting that he compares works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> and uh, all of these practices are, are the outworking of fleshly nature. And those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're destructive. And, and they're, he's, he's bold, you know. Uh, and, and a lot of times as Christians, we want to kind of see how much wiggle room is in there. You know, this is drunkenness. Well, I'm not an alcoholic, so. But if you got drunk, you've done a work of the flesh. All right? If you get drunk, you've sinned. Okay? If you have a glass of beer with a meal, a glass of wine at night, there's no problem. Right? There's a difference. Drinking is okay. Drunkenness is sin. Sex is great. Fornication is sin. All right? It's simple. And there's an easy line between if you had a drink or you got drunk. It's not that hard to tell the difference. And those who practice drunkenness will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not who you are! 
Right? It's just not who you are. It's not your real identity. You know, murder. Well, I haven't murdered anyone lately. It's been a long time. Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. The standard that Christ calls us to is far higher. Exponentially higher. Why? Because we're not merely following a legal system. We're called to be new creations. Okay? Justification by faith doesn't mean that our behavior doesn't matter anymore. It actually means that our behavior matters much, much more. It has greater significance and much greater consequences because we are now ambassadors of Christ. Our nature has been transformed and you've been set free from the bondage of sin. You, sin, shall not have dominion over you. You are free. You don't have to sin anymore. You're free from that. Believe it and walk in it is what this is talking about. And some people think, well, <clears throat> you know, and there's a, there's the thing. You know, we all struggle. We're going to get to that next. <clears throat> you know, the struggle comes before the list. Um, we'll talk about it in a minute. But the aspect of Christians who uh, choose or allow to see how close you can get to the edge, you know, or, well, you know, it's, you know, Listen, sin is a wound to your soul. Sin wounds your soul. Right? And you say, oh, it's just a little wound. Yeah, it's just a little wound. You know, some sins are like little slivers. But when my kid has a sliver, I get it out. Why? Because I don't want it to get infected and become a you know, boy, you know, where they get infected and ucky, and then that scary bacteria, flesh eating bacteria, right? Are you a parent like me? It's like, oh, I've got to get that out of there. <laughs> That's what sin is in your soul. You know, some Christians walk around and they go, I can't feel the love of God. And you look at them and you go, Of course you can't feel the love of God. You're riddled with slivers. You know, and they blame God for punishing you? You're blaming God for being mean at you when you've self-inflicted wounds all over your body? That Christ died to set you free from those type of wounds? Of course you can't feel God's love. That's because you keep wounding yourself. God says you don't have to do that anymore. You're set free. In fact, it's not even who you are. It's the lie of the enemy. You can walk free from that and, and be a new creation. And sometimes there's slivers. Sometimes people actually go out and cut off their arms or shoot themselves in the head. And I've seen it. I've seen people walk into, sometimes knowingly, sin that destroys their life because they, because they choose, they get deceived, all kinds of reasons. So the works of the flesh lead to corruption. And those who practice, those who stay in that lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit, this love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Wow! These things produce life. Abundant life. Overflowing life. You know, eternal life. And the consequences of them are freedom. Against such there is no law. You know what that means? That there's no limit to it. 
There's no limit. There's no law against it. You can have as much love as you want. You can have as much peace as you want. You know the word fruit? It can literally be translated plucked. Whatever you pluck. Where I grew up, we had an orchard. And I was blessed. Because I loved going out. I can still remember it. Going out and just... Even then I was like, this is so cool. Boom. And they taste so good. You know, right off the tree. And I just pluck it. And that's what it's like in the Spirit. The the fruit of the Spirit are just things that you pluck. You don't have to work for them. You know, how do you get more joy in your life? You just take it. How do you get more peace? I'm struggling to have peace. Well, just take some. You know, take it. Long suffering. It's right there. That means you can endure. It's fruit. How do you get it? You just take it. You take it from the spirit in the spirit realm. I, well, I can't do that. You don't believe it. Call it what it is. Step number one. I don't believe your Jesus. I don't believe your death on the cross uh, provided enough peace for my life. Oh no, I believe that. I, I believe that. <laughs> I believe it, and you start confessing it, and then you'll start seeing the the fruit of it. Okay, are you hearing me? Okay, <clears throat> there's freedom <clears throat> um, to when you eat of the tree of life. Who's the tree of life? Jesus. In the spirit. Figuratively, let's look at this. I believe it's real. I believe the spirit realm is more real than the natural realm. Uh, actually, I believe it's all the same, but the spirit, things that are spiritual are of more significance. <clears throat> when you eat of the tree of life, Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. Jesus said, eat, you have to eat my body, eat my, drink my blood, right? You become a new creation. Jesus said, you must be born again. Okay, and so in a in a very real way, but spiritual way, it's as though you're placed in a garden where you are free to eat of all the trees of the garden. You can walk up and eat of the tree of joy, and you can walk up and eat of the tree of peace, and you can walk up and eat a tree of long suffering and gentleness. Yeah, I need some more gentleness and kindness. Yeah, I can eat some, and it reproduces a character in you. But don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it. Every one of us has said, boy, I wish Adam and Eve hadn't made that mistake. But each and every one of us have that same choice. The exact, very identical choice. Every single time we choose between indulging in the flesh and any of these lists or any increment of that list. doesn't have to be outright jealousy, but just the indulging in that little bit of jealousy. That's eating a little bit of the tree of evil. But you don't have to because that's not who you really are. Because Jesus made you a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. How do you get free from that? You say, oh, that's not who I am. I'm a new creation. I eat of joy and peace. I eat in the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. I walk in the Spirit. And those who walk in the Spirit are free from the law. Why are they free from the law? Because you know what? The law doesn't mean anything to someone who has no intention, desire, or lust to commit sin. You know? It's not like Jesus struggled to keep the law. Right? God doesn't have to, you know, practice and read books about how to be gentle and kind and good. Right? Why? Because it's His nature. 
Well, Christ's nature has been reproduced in you through the new creation that we experience through faith. Alright? And so we walk. When we walk according to the flesh, we're walking contrary to our identity. We're believing the lie of the enemy. Okay, I've got to get to the, the, the part here, uh, the next part, because the struggle that he talks about in 16 through 18... The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Listen, I am not going to diminish one iota that there is a real struggle. And I've heard people preach that the struggle isn't real. Listen, baby, the struggle is real in my life. I struggle with this stuff. I struggle with it. But you know, my struggle is that how... Fu- and okay, I have seasons. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not preaching Cameron. I'm preaching the Bible. Okay? <laughs> You know, I, but I do struggle, and and I've I've found a good way to struggle is not seeing how much you can get away with, but seeing how far away you can get from it. Okay, you know, so like, you know, pornography, forget it. I mean, come on, Jesus said if you look at a woman and lust for her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Okay, all right, how do you deal with that? All right. He really meant it, you know. He wasn't just, it's not herpobly, how do you say that? Hypib, whatever. He wasn't making it sound bigger than it really is. He's, no, this is, this is identity. This is who you are. So you see a beautiful person of the opposite sex that you're not married to? You go, wow, God, great job. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Praise God. I love my wife. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then just don't give into it. And if you give into it, you repent right there, man. Boom! I committed adultery. God, forgive me. Forgive me for committing adultery. You'll never get to the porno shop or the website. If you com- if you come and confess before Christ, every time you look at a woman and you have a lustful thought, and you go to Him and say, "God, forgive me for adultery," listen, you stop it there. You know, if you're already at the website, man, you're hacking on yourself with a hatchet. If you're already drunk, you're drinking poison. Okay, that's not who you are. It's not who you. Call- that's not your identity. You're free from that. And so you can walk away from that and God can cleanse you and, you and you can begin to walk in your true identity and be completely free and eat of the joy, eat of the peace, eat of the freedom. Uh, Christ has set us free. He really meant it. And uh, <clears throat> this new creation is intended to begin in our hearts through faith, affect our entire lives, every aspect. You know, there's no portion of your life that's exempted from the Lordship of Jesus Christ and from the influence of the Holy Spirit. There really isn't. You know, quit faking it. There really isn't. It's easier to get along with the Holy Spirit than to argue with Him. Okay? And it's funner. It really is a lot more fun. But as it transforms you, it's meant to transform those around you. As it transforms those who respond around you, it'll, it'll change your community, eventually our society. And God's intention is that the whole planet, all of mankind, in fact, the new creation is about recreating the whole of creation. 
Okay? And it starts with that choice in your heart when you believe. And that's the kingdom of God. Those who walk in the Spirit will be able to walk in for eternity. Amen. There's some meat to chew on. That's good. It's good revelation. Just felt it pouring out, man. It's good. <clears throat> well, we just want to welcome any uh, guests that are with us this morning. Glad to have you uh, with us to worship with us. We're thankful that you're here. Um, if you received a bulletin or if you didn't, there's some in the back. You can tear off this connection card and take it to the connection counter in the back. And we have a gift for you just to thank you for coming. Um, a few quick announcements. We'll try to get through this quickly. Um, we do have a Japan trip that's being planned November 19th through 28th. Um, we'll be visiting Hope International Fellowship, which is a sister church led by Dennis and Kaku Sager. And actually, Daniel, their son is here. Wave, Daniel. Hey. He's spending some time with us, so we get him for a while, which is exciting. Um, there's also intention. We have intention to do uh, relief work. There's still lots of people who are living in tents in, in Japan. And so there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, there's, you know, funds are needed to, to do some work over there. So we want to do some um, relief work. And there is a New Day Missions uh, Facebook page.